Good morning. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. I wanted to welcome you to Bridgewater Tunkanic. It's so good to have you with us this morning. And, you know, Ben had asked it this morning, and uh, there's a question that uh, I'm trying to avoid asking because then people ask me that, the same one, and that is, are you ready for Christmas? And um, I've realized that invokes a bit of anxiety in people. Um, including myself, and who has to do a lot more stuff. Um, I'm not quite ready. So if you're not ready, it's okay. There's, there's time. There's six days. <laughs> All right. So, um, but when you've done your shopping, have you, this year, do you do, how many of you do online shopping, or have done online shopping this year for Christmas? Oh, not, not, a, not a ton. All right, okay, all right. Everybody's shopping local this year. Um, so if you're doing online shopping, you're likely going to get something delivered in the mail, right? And so maybe you're going along, and are, maybe you're one of those people that obsessively checks the tracking, whether it's coming, okay, it's in Denver now. No, now it's in, you know... Now it went to Detroit for some reason. No, yeah. And you're going on and you're tracking it all the way to the point where it notifies you that it's at your door, right? So um, this morning, uh, I wanted to share with you uh, some statistics about how it gets to your door and how many packages are delivered per day right now for Christmas. So start you off here with... um, uh, U.S. Postal Service. All right, here we go. Five million packages per day are delivered by the U.S. Postal Service. And the next one uses all of these things that I'm bringing up, but from Amazon is 13,126,575 packages a day. All right, now, no, we're not done yet. All right, and from FedEx is 15 million packages per day are delivered. And then finally, UPS, 27 million packages per day. Now, some of you may account for maybe, you know, a thousand of those. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. Um, But, you know, as you think about that, when you have the truck come up or whatever it is, you expect to see it's very unlikely that you would see anything besides U.S. Postal Service, FedEx, right, or UPS. So you're expecting to see that truck pull up with the name on the side, right? So let's say you get that package, you get that notification it was delivered, you go out to grab the package, and you look out, and there's a a guy that's going into his car that's completely unmarked, very mysterious looking car and you're like wait a second you suddenly some fear happens because this is unlikely there's no fedex on the side of this car who is this guy delivering my package here right so then you you carefully open it hoping that there's nothing wrong with it right and then and then you see oh this is what i ordered oh good you know and then you relax a little bit but you know sometimes i don't know that i trust Amazon that much to get my package delivered, but sometimes God is doing something that's unlikely or that's unexpected. 
And you know what? We can trust him with whatever that might be because his plans are ultimately greater than ours. And we're going to go into talking about today is God using unlikely people. So God used unlikely, an unlikely variety of messengers to proclaim Jesus' birth. Um, beginning in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. All right, so the angels. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about trusting God even when we experienced intense emotions. Here we have an unlikely proclamation by powerful angels, and the shepherds here were terrified. I think sometimes in our society, we don't stop to think about what, what may be happening here or why they're terrified. You know, we have certain images of angels that may stick out in our mind that are not necessarily biblical. It may be a being who's this, like, little baby with wings that's floating and jumping from one cloud to the other. Maybe that's some image that we have. Or, or maybe, and, it's, and I'm telling you, it's not an angel from the series Touched by an Angel in the 90s. I'm sorry, it wasn't that. All right? The word angel means messenger. Angels are powerful beings who can take on human appearance to accomplish a purpose that's given to them by God. In the Bible, we find angels that are warrior messengers. In Genesis 18 and 19, we see them active when God destroys Sodom. Then some worship God around his throne in heaven. We see heavenly beings mentioned in Ezekiel 1 that describes these images of wheels covered in eyes. We see an angel with a flaming sword when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. We see several accounts of scriptures where angels are protectors. In Exodus 14, when Israel safely crossed the Red Sea, and again in Genesis 48, 16, Joseph recounts an angel who delivered him from harm. We find angels appearing to give messages to people. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago when Mary received the announcement that she was pregnant with Jesus. So regardless of what kind of angel we're talking about, when giving a message from God, there's something about the appearance of the angel that strikes fear into the person. And I think as a society that sees God as soft, it's encouraging to see that his messengers that he sends are actually quite powerful. Let's continue on in verses uh, 10, 11, and 12 of Luke 2. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggly strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You see, we get this cute picture of this baby all swaddled up, right, and in, in cozy in the manger, right? 
and, and maybe we picture a baby in a, in a, in a comfy crib and with a nice mattress, um, but that's really not what it was. It was in a stable, and a manger was where the hay went, and so it wasn't a soft mattress that, that baby Jesus laid in. It was, it was hay. Um, and then let's continue in verses 13 and 14 here. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So we get this picture of not only like an angel that, that, that comes to tell them, but then there's this vast army of angels. And I always appreciate uh, a description that's given that's not just um, this warm, fuzzy feeling sort of an angel, but like um, there's an image that's given in, in one of the Bible series that shows angels uh, in armor and with swords. And I, I sort of picture that when it, when it shows these, this vast army of angels, powerful angels of God that are there. So you would see why they would feel terrified, right? But this was huge. You see, this first, the first messengers being angels was, was unlikely, right? How many of you, when you were born had armies of heaven making a declaration. And it, no? Okay. All right, yeah, so like this was huge, right? The armies of heaven are making this declaration that glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Let's continue verses um, 15 to 20. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that God, this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. You see, the first messenger, unlikely messenger, was the angels. The second was the shepherds. Here we have these regular people. These are common. This, being a shepherd was a common job in Israel. They weren't the highest class. They weren't the lowest class. But they were just regular people. There's no mention of their spiritual character. They were just everyday people. There was nothing that would necessarily draw you to them. They were simple shepherds. And they say, they, they saw baby Jesus in the manger and they proclaimed to others what had happened. God used simple shepherds to tell about his birth. The reality here is that God can use you to be his messenger too. God can use you to be his messenger too. Um, I recall a time just before I entered Bible college that my sister, she pulled me aside one day and she said, she gave me this passage of scripture and she said, this passage of scripture, Kurt, reminds me of you, all right? So I'm like, oh boy, what's this going to be, all right? So she gives me this passage of scripture and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29. It says this, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. 
Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So this passage reminded my sister of me. (laughs) So at first, I'm like, um, thanks? Uh, I actually felt a little offended. I'm like, well, what are you saying? I'm, I'm weak? I'm foolish? I'm like, nobody? Like, what are you trying to say? And, you know, but that, it, it stuck with me all these years. And, and you know what? Remembering how God has used me in the lives of others when I humble myself and I rely upon him and not my own strength. I've seen God do great things. It was when he was doing the work in and through me, not me boasting about myself. So just as God used these shepherds, these simple shepherds here, and how God can use a foolish person like, such as myself, he can use you if you let him. So we've seen here how these awesome angels proclaim this message, and then we hear about the shepherds who go in to see the baby Jesus, and then they proclaim the birth of Jesus. So God uses those two unlikely groups there. And then another unlikely group here is these wise men. And these are non-Jewish wise men. I'll read this one for you in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verses 1 to 6. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, For this is what the people wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. You see, there's a difference between knowing something is true and believing it. All the priests, the teachers, the the religious leaders of the time, they knew where Jesus was to be born. But were they paying attention to the sign? These were non-Jewish wise men who were considered to be less than in this particular culture. They were considered to not know God like the Jews did. Maybe, maybe the Jews, the, these Jewish leaders, were scared of King Herod. Um, maybe they didn't believe that the word was true. Maybe they weren't looking for the signs. I don't know. But there was one person that believed that this could be true, and that was King Herod. And King Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Let's take a look at verse seven here. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. So the star seems to have appeared when Jesus was born, which may have been 
a year or more before the wise men actually got to Bethlehem. So verse 8. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I may worship him too. Now we find out later that this is a lie. Herod wanted to kill this child because King Herod, his entire life, he's older now, but his entire life was paranoid about people taking his power. And when he found out about this King Jesus that was going to come, this Messiah, that he wanted, he wanted um, to go and have a baby killed because he was so paranoid about someone taking his power. Continuing in verse 9 and 10. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And then verse 11 starts with, they entered the house. And I don't know about you, but I always appreciated, um, you know, the nativity scene. I had this, like, you know, growing up, it was the wooden one with all the pieces that went in there, and it was really cool, right? And it had the little light that went behind, it went under the Christmas tree. I don't know, it was really cool. But um, one of the things, and, I, and I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble here, but the wise men that we always talk about that were at Christmas were not actually at Christmas. The shepherds were, but the wise men, it was likely a year later. So here we have the wise men coming to a house, um, not the stable where Joseph and Mary had been for about a year. Um, so this was sometime after they had, the, the star had appeared. So they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasured chests, and they gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Why? Because Herod was a homicidal maniac, right? <laughs> they say, don't go back there. That guy's, that, you know, he's, he's not with it. Um, so they said not to go back there, so they didn't. And then so we have here, this is the third unlikely messenger of the Christmas story, and that is the non-Jewish wise men. Because they weren't Jews, that was not likely. They would have been seen as spiritually inferior. But the reality is, though, that Jesus... He came not just for the poor, but for the rich, too. He, he, he also uses both. He uses both the rich and the poor. He came for the Jews and the non-Jews. And again, from the start, God uses both to proclaim his message of salvation. Jesus came for the old and for the young, for the socially insignificant and the politically important. Jesus came as a Savior for everyone. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have an eternal life. So if you're hearing this message today, whether online or here in person, Jesus came for you. Shepherds, they at least had a, a Jewish background. They probably had a, a new sum about the Bible. Maybe you grew up in a home completely devoid of the Bible. You never even heard it. Maybe you still don't know anything about Jesus or God. Well, let me tell you about the most unlikely of them all. Of all the unlikely messengers, most unlikely was the baby Jesus. 
Here is the almighty creator of the universe. He came to earth as a baby boy. He becomes physically dependent on Mary and Joseph. He could have come in might and power and he could have showed it. But in this way, Jesus can say he's experienced all that we have. He's been tempted and yet he did not sin. He lived a perfect life and he became the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, the most unlikely messenger of all is to have the God of the universe come to, to, come to save us, come as a baby. And therefore, we should pay attention to what his message is for us. What is his message? God so loved the world. God loves you. He gave his only son. Jesus came to live a perfect life to die on the cross and rise again for our sins so that we could have life. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So the question for you today is, have you accepted his message of salvation? You see, we're sinners, and our sin separates us from God. God is perfect and holy. But he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty that we deserve for our sin so that we could have life. So when we acknowledge that we are a sinner in need of a Savior and then we believe in our, in our personally that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for our sins, then we can be saved. Not only saved as far as going to heaven, but we can also have a relationship with Jesus that is awesome. And I'm telling you, if you don't have a relationship with him yet, it is awesome to know Jesus. So I'm going to take a moment this morning and I'm going to pray. And if you're here today and you have not yet given your life to Jesus, if, you have not, if there's not been a moment in your life where you said, I know that I'm a sinner and that I need you to save me, then this may be the moment to do it. So I'm going to pray and it's not a prayer that saves you, it's believing on Jesus Christ that saves you. So I'm going to say a prayer and if you have not done that this morning, you can go ahead and say that with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. I know, God, that I'm a sinner and I fall way short. I, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and rise again for my sin. I ask, God, that you would forgive me. You would come into my life, that you would save me. I need you to be the leader of my life. I commit my life to you today, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So maybe you, maybe you said that prayer this morning with me. Maybe you haven't at any moment given your life to Jesus. And I encourage you, after the service, talk with Adam or I if you made that decision today or if you want to or if you just want to talk. You can talk to Adam and I about it or the person that invited you this morning. But for those of you that have given your life to Jesus, one way that we can be a messenger for him is that is by handing someone one of these invite cards to our Christmas services. There are steps that you can 
grab on the way out that give you guidance on how to hand it to somebody and what questions to, and what, what to say. But it could be something that could change somebody's life. And so I encourage you to take one of these, or five, or six, or 25, um, as you leave this morning and invite someone to Christmas. We have so many services. There's six of them, right? There's so many options um, that somebody could attend. So I encourage you uh, to do that this morning. And, and I want to ask you another question. How many of you in this room right now, if someone asked you, how do I get saved? How do I, this, all this Jesus as your forgiver and leader stuff, like what is that about? How do I do that? If someone asked you that question, how would you know how to respond? Would you just be like, uh, talk to Adam or Kurt? Which, that's okay, but God has called us all to lead people to Jesus, right? And so I want to share with you some practical steps that you can use in conversations with people um, because God has called us all as a messenger. Um, you will receive this in a handout, so don't frantically write this down. Um, it'll be on your way out as you go out the door. Um, but some of these questions are, when do you th- what do you think happens when you die? All right. Maybe don't lead with that one, okay? But that's a good one that you can use to get some, some thoughts going there. Um, how do you know something is true? What is the most important thing in your life and why? Do you think much about spiritual things? What do you believe about God? Why do you think some things are right or wrong? Who do you think Jesus was? And then it says that you're encouraging a conversation, so some follow-up questions might be, like, what do you mean by that? Or why? Or, or, or tell me more about that. All right, so that's, that's on your way out, is to, to help you in those conversations as you share with others. And then, if you're here today and you don't know for sure if you've given your life to Jesus, I encourage you to talk to Adam or I or somebody that brought you, somebody you came with. And then, what we want to do here at Bridgewater is we want to help you be fully equipped for God's calling on your life. And the calling he has on your life is for you, as a follower of Jesus, to be a messenger for him. And maybe you're an unlikely messenger, right? But he's called you to be a messenger for him. You know, and regardless, regardless of your background, your failures, your sins, he wants to use you. It's true. He wants to use you and me. He wants to use all of us. Will you be available? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you've just given us your word. God, you are just so good to us. Thank you for the free message, the free gift of salvation uh, through your son, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would use us as a mouthpiece for you in this world. Uh, Many need you, Lord, and I just pray, God, that you would just use us as messengers, however unlikely, Lord, to lead more people to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.